I remember his instruction to you. I, I remember his words. I, I can remember the inflection in his voice. I can remember the sternness in his voice, and I can I, I can remember the, the 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 confusion in my mind or the frustration in my mind uh, as he was saying the words to me. My my roommate in college, Dan Muter. Some of you uh, were here a few weeks ago when Dan filled in for me on a Sunday. So. So, so that's who it was. My, my roommate, uh, uh, or ex-roommate at the time, Dan Muter, was saying these words to me. And this is exactly what he said, word for word. He said, just put your face in the water and breathe. Now, he was serious. He was saying it with conviction. We were waist deep in the ocean, and he was saying, just put your face in the water and breathe. There's just something about that di- that didn't seem right. It's such an unnatural thing to do. Every part of my mind, my body, my soul, uh, every part of my thought process was saying, don't do it. But Dan was standing there demanding that I follow his command. I, I glanced over at Rita, who was beside me, because he actually was saying that to both of us at the same time. I, I looked over to her to find some support and some encouragement, and she had the same look on her face that I'm sure I had on mine, one of I, I can't do this. See, the, the longer I hesitated, the longer I paused, the more forceful his commands became. Just put your face in the water and breathe. Now, I knew what was coming next if I didn't follow through, if I didn't do what he asked me to do. I knew he was going to start making fun of me. I could just imagine what he was going to say. He's going to call me a weenie. He was going to call me weak. He was, he was going to start calling me, he say, come on, champ, are you scared, are you afraid of cat? I, I really didn't want that to happen, especially right there with my wife there. So slowly, yet hesitantly, I put my face in the water, and I held my breath. <laughs> I popped my head back out of the water. He barked at me a little bit more, and this time with more conviction, uh, conviction I put my face all the way in the water, and I took a big breath. If you have your Bible, we'll come back to that. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to James chapter 3. Because what we see at the end of James chapter 3, it's almost as if James is telling us to do something that doesn't make sense, to do something that goes against our uh, our nature, to goes that goes against what seems natural or 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 uh, or, or easy, it goes against what what we would normally do. So in James chapter 3, it's almost as if he's telling us to put your face in the water and in a spiritual way, put your face in the water and breathe. It may not seem like there was much wisdom in Dan's command to me to put my face in the water and breathe, but in reality, there was a lot of wisdom to us and it would open up a lot of things for me. And maybe in James chapter 3, it doesn't seem like there's a lot of wisdom there either. Uh, or, or better put, it may not seem like James uh, James is talking wisdom, but but he is. James here is actually laying out for us two options, or two schools, or thought, or two r- realities, two wisdoms. And the question that really is before us today is which wisdom is yours? Which one? Which wisdom are you going to choose? One one seems the right way to go. One seems the easy way. One seems the natural way. The other, not so much. It may appear unnatural for us to follow, but if we do, if we just trust the wisdom of the command, it opens up a whole 
new world for us. In the book of James, as I mentioned last week, it it, it is a book of practical teaching. Uh, it's teaching that hits us in the real world. It, it hits us where we are. Uh, a lot of his teaching speaks to what we need to hear, not always what we want to hear, but, but his teaching is practical and it's timely. And the verses that we're going to look at today will take all of that teaching that we've been looking at for the last several weeks or, or few months. It'll take a lot of that teaching and, and wrap it, wrap a rope around it and pull it together and tie it together. In reality, what James is saying here, he's, he's kind of looking back and he's asking us the question, which one, which one is yours? Which one are you going to choose? Which one are you going to pick? So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to James. Chapter 3, we're going to look at the last few verses in the in the chapter, starting with verse 13, reading to the end. And notice, you're going to see two options there, two things that he talks about, two types of wisdom. So just kind of pick them out. If you want to do your notes, you can. You, you should be able to fill out your notes without even me saying much else after I read this verse, so these verses. So James chapter 3, 13 to 18, if you don't have a Bible, there's one in the pew back in front of you. Verse 13. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show it by his good life, by deeds done in humility, or in the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual of the devil. But where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you'll find disorder in every evil practice. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy, good fruit, impartial, and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace raise a harvest of righteousness. Now, let me ask, starting off here this morning, well, here's, here's ob- the obvious first one, worldly wisdom. So, so two options. We can choose worldly wisdom, and just if you got your notes out, I'll, let, I'll give you the other one. We can sp- choose heavenly wisdom you want to get there. So we can choose worldly wisdom or heavenly wisdom. So let me, let me ask by, by show of hands here, how many of you live by the, the creed or the motto or the, 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 the philosophy of worldly wisdom? Just a show of hands. Okay, that's what I, I thought. Uh, how many, let me just break it down a little bit. How many of you would say this characterizes your life? Envy and selfish ambition. Just show of hands. Tell you what, we can skip that whole first point then, because because none of that first point even applies to any of us. Uh, would you do this? Would you do this? Would you just reach over to someone next to you, pat them on the back, and say, "Good job, good job." You don't you don't have worldly wisdom or envy or selfish ambition. Great. My guess here, <laughs> my guess here, we're still doing okay. Well. <laughs> You guys are, no, no, good job for you. You did a great job. You're better than me. No. My guess here, and I could be wrong because I, I often am. Correct, Rita? I think she's in the back somewhere. I often am wrong. My guess here is that James, or that if James had asked this same question at the churches that he wrote to, the churches that the, the Christians that had scattered, a, a number of different churches in different parts of, this, uh, of, of uh, Israel and even north of Israel, if James had asked that question in, in their presence, right there with them, had James asked that question, so my guess is if James had spoken this, had said these words, had asked this question of the church, churches that he was writing to, 
My, my guess is that none of their hands would have went up as well. I imagine they would have, like you, sat there like, nope, nope, I, I don't have a problem with worldly wisdom, I envy and selfish ambition, of, of course not. But, but let's think for a second. Let's think for a second. Consider this. And I'm just assuming here, uh, since none of them would have raised their hands, I'm wondering why is James bringing this up? Why is James mining down in this direction, in this area, uh, and asking them to make a decision? So maybe, now, now bear with me here, indulge me for just a second. Maybe, just maybe, there's something that we really need to hear here. Haven't you noticed that James has been talking about things that we needed to hear? He's been talking about trials. He's been, he's been talking about temptation. He's been talking about anger, uh, pure religion, living out your faith. I, I don't know about you, but James has been so far in this book speaking to me. It, it's, it's like he's given me a right cross and a left hook and an uppercut and a body shot. James has been talking to me throughout this whole book thus far. It, it starts off by James addressing it to the 12 tribes. He says, to the 12 tribes, but but maybe James should have should have just addressed it to me. It could have started out this way. Hey, Tim, I, I need to tell you a couple things. We need to talk about a couple things. So maybe, just maybe, we might have a bit of a struggle with worldly wisdom. We, we might have a little bit of struggle with this, and so maybe it is a choice for us to talk about. So let's, let's for just a moment, uh, look at this idea as, as worldly wisdom. And worldly wisdom in this text, is defined as a couple things. Verse 14 says, and he, and he will repeat it, if any of you harbor bitter envy or selfish ambition, and he'll say it again in verse 16, for where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you'll find disorder in every evil practice. Here's the problem with envy and selfish ambition. I don't just like you, I, I don't think I ever see myself struggling with those. One of the reasons you didn't raise your hand was, you know, some of you thought if you raised your hand, I might call on you and do something. But, uh, but one of the reasons we don't raise our hand, and, and I'm guilty of this as well. When you put it that way, when you say envy and selfish ambition, I, I don't think I have a struggle with that. Well, let me make a couple applications. Would if you're doing your notes, out to the side of envy, would you write these words? Would you write, I want? Would, would you write just simply, I want? Because what is envy? Envy, kind of just making it very simple, is, is defined by those two words. I, I want, or I want it. If you don't believe me, do this. Uh, try, try this little test. If you don't have one around you, if you don't have one that you're going to see today, when children's church is over and all those little kids come up, pick yourself out a five or six-year-old uh, and, and ask them this one question and see what they do. Ask them. As they come up, just go tell their mom and dad, say, hey, can I ask them a question? And just ask them this, this, this one question. Uh, what do you want for Christmas? And I'll guarantee if you ask a five or six year old or seven or eight or maybe 12 or 16 year old, you ask them that their eyes are going to light up and a big old smile is going to come on their face. And you know what they're going to do? They're going to give you a list. 
aren't they? It's not even Thanksgiving yet, but they know Black Friday's coming. They're going to give you a list of what they want. Reed was on the phone last week with our grandson, Reed. Reed's four years old, almost five, uh, almost five. Uh, th- they were just talking, and uh, Rita didn't bring it up, didn't ask him. Out of the blue, Reed says to, to, to Grammy, Grammy, do you know what? Christmas is coming. And so Rita plays along and keeps going. Well, what do you want? And, and Reed told her exactly what he, he wanted. She didn't even know what it was. But, but, but he said, I know where you can get it, Grammy. It's at the Target in Liberty. I'll take you there and show it to you. I'm sure his list is longer than just that one item. So ask a four or five or six or seven-year-old what they want, and they've got a list. Now, can I ask you this question? How do four, five, six, and seven-year-olds come up with a list of things they want? How do they come up with a Christmas list? Now, I know in our day, and even when our kids were were, were little, it was catalogs. I, do they even have catalogs anymore? We'd get the, the Sears catalog or whatever, and now they'd thumb through it and circle the things they wanted. We'd go through and mark those out and pick the cheaper ones. But I don't know where they get them today. Maybe maybe some of you still get catalogs. A lot of it's television commercials. Uh, uh, that same grandson watches YouTube videos about of kids opening gifts and opening toys and playing with them. Do any of, any of the rest of you do that? I mean, boring, but, I mean, he loves that stuff. And, uh, and, I guess sometimes they see their friends playing with those, I guess. But but you want to mine it down. You want to take it down to its lowest level. And and, and I'm not condemning kids. Hey, I love kid, that kids want things, and that, that's great. But you know, at the bottom of just so we kind of understand what our nature is, at the bottom of all of that is, is this simple thought, I want it. And and in their mind, if I don't have that toy, if I don't have that gadget, if I don't have that game, if I don't have that technology, I will not be happy. Or I will, or if I have those, I will be happy at least for um, a few hours. Now, now let's take that and say and realize that's part of who we are. That's just kind of how. That's kind of our fallen nature, is that it's natural for us to say, "I want." I want it. I want that. So, so as adults, where where, where does that hit us? Because it's it's okay for kids to to, to want things. Uh, have balanced parents and grandparents try to teach them lessons, but you know, hey, it's okay to buy them, buy them stuff. But as adults, we have our own Christmas Christmas wish lists. Um, and I don't mean that just at Christmas. We have have our own list of things of of stuff that we want. Now, now my kids every Christmas will. We'll call Rita and say, what does dad want for Christmas? And, and then Rita will come to me and say, kids want to know, what do you want for Christmas? And I give, I usually give you the same answer. I don't, don't I, Rita? Go ahead. I don't need anything. I, I don't. I, I've got everything I need. I have a lovely wife and great kids and grandkids. I just buy back a little credit, a lovely wife. That's all I need. Okay. Um, I can use a couple more illustrations later on. I'll be all right. Uh, but, but I really don't need anything. Thing. Now, some of you might be different. You might you might actually have kind of a list. And, but here's the problem: whether it's toys, the problem with as adults, our toys are a little more expensive, or gadgets, or technology, or experiences. We're just like our kids, though. We think if we get those, they'll make us happy, and then we find out that that they don't make us happy. 
And even if it's not a list like that, don't we find ourselves chasing that elusive brass ring? If I could just get to a, if I could just get to this place, if I could just get to financial security or job security or personal security or relationship security, if I could just get there, suddenly my life would be perfect. Or, or maybe we think of our family. If my, if my kids are, we're well behaved and making straight A's and have straight teeth and they're starting on the basketball team and they're, they have the lead in the school play and they're elected class president and they volunteer 20 hours a week at a homeless shelter. If, if, if only that would happen or, or if I could wear the same size clothes I did in high school or if I got the big promotion at work or if everyone wanted to be my friend, we could just go on and on and on of the things that sometimes overwhelm us with can we apply it to what James is saying here, which is really envy, but maybe we understand it more as, hey, I want that because that's what will make me happy. That's what will give me peace. That's what will give me hope. And and the problem is we always it, it always comes up short. We always come up wanting more. So, so out beside um, envy, right, I want it. Out beside self-ambition, selfish ambition, right, uh, I am it. Who, who is the most important person in your life? Worldly wisdom will answer that and say, well, of course you are. Uh, you need to be happy. You need to be filled. You need to be satisfied with yourself. And, and there is some truth to that. We're to love our as ourselves. So, so we have to have some self-love. We do have to understand our worth in God's eyes, but but selfish ambition is all about me. Is, is, is this world my life? If everything, is everything I do about me? If, if it is, we fit in well with our world, but that is, according to James, worldly wisdom. So which one, which one is yours? Which wisdom is yours? Is it worldly wisdom or is it heavenly wisdom? Let's, let's look at just three simple things and we'll be done here this morning about heavenly uh, wisdom and, and a- answer three questions. What is it? What is, what is heavenly wisdom? Well, let's just see what James says about that, and, and then we'll move on. And, and the reality is, on this, you're just going to have to figure some of this out yourself. You're going to have to let God tell you the, the practicals, because I could tell you what I think it is, but, but it may not really apply to you. I, I, I know for myself what some of this stuff means for me, it may be different for you, but notice what James says. Let it kind of be an over, over uh, arching uh, support for us here. Verse 13, who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show it by what? What, what does heavenly wisdom look like in our life? What, what is it? Let him show it by his good life, by his good life, and by deeds done in humility. By his good life. And deeds done in humility. Now notice what he says in verse 17. He, he again goes through a whole list, but wisdom that comes from heaven. So heavenly wisdom is this. First of all, it's pure. So it's without blemish, without spot. It's peace loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy, good fruit, impartial, sincere. Now, now we could take each one of those and probably do a sermon on each one. I'm not going to do it, but, but, but you see where I'm at here. And there's so much we can unpack from that to apply to our life to say what we need to do. It seems to me that everything that James has been talking about to this point, 
is what he's saying here that we need to put into our life. If you go backwards, go, go back to chapter 1, the first couple verses, he's talking about considering it joy when we have trials and understanding what God can teach us through trials. In verses 19, uh, uh, 19 to 21, he's talking about controlling ourselves, being quick to listen and slow to speak and slow to become angry. In verses 26 and 27, he's talking about keeping a tight rein on, on our tongue and, and talking about what pure religion is. That's taking care of people that, that don't have anyone else to take care of. In chapter 2, verses uh, 12 and 13, he, he's talking about us having judge, or, or having mercy and will be judged by the mercy that we'll show. In chapter 2, verses 14 to 17, he's talking about not just telling people that we're, that we feel for what they're going through, but actually doing something about it, putting our faith into action. He says that again in chapter 2, verse 26, that faith without action is dead. And, and earlier in chapter 3 that we talked about last week, he's, he's saying that we have to have control of our tongue. We can, we can either do great, great harm with it or we can be a great blessing. It can be fresh water. It can be salt water. So what is it? It's, it's living a good life that's characterized by deeds done in humility. It's what he's been talking about, putting your life in line with this. Well, how, then how do we get it? If, if worldly or if heavenly wisdom is what we're after, how do we get it? Well, if you have your Bibles there in James, just go back to chapter one. We, we touched on this back at the very first sermon of this series, but didn't talk a whole lot about it. But look at uh, verse five in chapter one. If any of you lacks wisdom, that's what we're talking about today, wisdom. If any of you lacks, let me add the, the, the modifier, heavenly wisdom, he should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault. How do I get heavenly wisdom? I, I, I could tell story after story. It's repeated over and over in our lives. Reed and I will be in a store somewhere, particularly for their looking for something that I'm, I'm after, maybe Lowe's or Home Depot or, or Menards or somewhere, and, and I go in and I'm looking for it and I can't find it. And uh, I will, uh, as a habit, I will just keep walking and looking and walking and looking up and down the aisles, up and down the aisles. Fairly early on in the process, Rita will say, why don't you ask for help? Nope, I can find it. It repeats itself in a car. If I get lost, you know, you're seeing a pattern here. I, I will just keep going. I'll just keep going. And, and eventually Rita will either wear me out and I'll ask or she'll just bypass me altogether, forgetting that being submissive to your husband rule there in Ephesians 5. No, not really. But she'll just say, hey, wh- wh- where do you have this? You, you want heavenly wisdom. Well, James, way back in chapter 1, gave us a little bit of a key. Ask for it. How, how can I get away from I want and, and I am it? How, how, can, how can I get away from that uh, to a heavenly wisdom? Simply, simply ask. And, and a last question, I guess this is where it comes down to us making a choice, making a decision having some discernment in our in our life am i showing it am i showing it is my life characterized as what james says here uh deeds done in humility peace loving considerate submissive mercy 
fruit impartial, sincere. Am I doing it? Dan kept kept saying to, to Reed and I, Colton, you can come on up if you want. Dan kept saying to Reed and I, put your face in the water and breathe. I, I would assume most of you picked up on what we were talking about, what I was talking about. You probably understand the scenario, but if you don't, let me explain it. It was the first time that I'd been to the ocean. It's the first time that I'd taken a mask with a, a snorkel on it and put it on my face. So so he's yelling at me, put your face in water to breathe, and I've got a snorkel on. And so so as I'm talking back to him, you can't really, you, you know, it's a weird look, but but he says, just, just put your face in the water and breathe. Man, that, if you've never snorkeled, that is tough. If you have snorkeled, you know that first time just how hard it is to do that unnatural thing of putting your face in the water and taking a breath. But wow. Wow, when you do, it opens up a whole new world. Because when your face is in the water and you're swimming around uh, in, in the Caribbean Ocean and and you're looking down in the water and you're able to breathe and you're seeing fish that have colors different than you've ever seen, Instead of looking like a bluegill or a bass, it's they're bright yellow and they're bright blues and there's they're aqua. They're just uh, they're just all kinds of beautiful stuff. And and where we were at, there was coral, and you were seeing the the beautiful different corals, and it was amazing. But it would only happen. We could only see it if we put our face in the water and we breathe. It may seem unnatural. So go away from this idea of I want it and I am it and have heavenly wisdom that puts others first, that sees the needs of others, that sacrifices to show others love and mercy, compassion. We can go on and on what Jesus calls us to. It may not seem natural, but it's heavenly wisdom. Would you bow with me? Father, we thank you this morning that you give us a choice. We can choose between what comes to us naturally, what, what the world is selling us, what most people believe, uh, and we can, we can trade that off for uh, a wisdom that is from you, a wisdom that puts you first and others first, a, a wisdom that gives us peace and comfort, a wisdom that gives us true happiness and true joy when the things of the world let us down. Father, help us. Help us find and choose that heavenly wisdom. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you need to know about the one that can give you that kind of wisdom, if you need to know about the one that can make all the things that you've been searching for uh, make sense, then would you come? Uh, Ask Jesus to be a part of your life. Would you stand as we sing?